Morning Liberty. Well, hello there, everybody. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. Charlie is not here with me today, so I'm doing this all by myself. Real quick, guys, I want to tell you, subscribe to the podcast. We're getting new listeners every single day, and if you guys could hit that subscribe button, we will send our show directly to your phone, save you a lot of time, and you can keep up to date on all these good news items or bad news items that we're about to talk to, talk about. So, do you guys have a good weekend? I had a pretty good Pretty good weekend. Went down to Chattanooga, saw my uh, my in-laws down there. It was a good time. Did some work and uh, came back last night, watched the Cowboys game with Charlie, and that was really fun. If you guys follow football, any kind of NFL whatsoever, you uh, probably hate both Charlie and I for being Cowboys fans, but hey, you can't help it. Can't help how you were raised whatsoever. So we're going to go through a few news items right here. This is something we've been doing. Uh, for the last couple weeks now, we've been running through the news, running through a lot of headlines that maybe you guys haven't been seeing, because I think a lot of times this impeachment talk that's going on with President Trump is really dominating most of the mainstream news cycle. But there's a lot of other news going on in the background. So we try to target, you know, pinpoint a few things that maybe we think you guys would like to hear about or that you might find interesting, and we'll talk about those. You can go to plenty of other places if you want to hear all kinds of speculation about what's going on with the impeachment talks. You can go to a lot of different podcasts to hear that. So we're going to try to cover some some other things, some things other than that, because honestly, I just don't care about the impeachment stuff. Um, when some hard evidence comes out, uh, maybe I'll form a, a better opinion on it. I really haven't seen anything that makes me feel strongly in either direction, so I just don't care enough to talk about it. Sorry. Plus, the House is going to vote for impeachment, and it doesn't mean anything. So, if if anything, if Trump gets reelected, he would be the first president to get reelected after being impeached by the House of Representatives. That would be a first if he wins re-election. So, I guess that could be a big deal, but other than that, I just don't care. So, over the weekend, we saw... This, I'm going to talk about Chick-fil-A for a minute. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a Chick-fil-A, but one thing I will tell you is, man, have they got some good chicken, for sure. So they opened their first ever shop over in the UK. And of course, this was met with all kinds of backlash immediately. So they opened up, and now it's been nine days later, and they have announced that they will be closing this location. So as soon as they open, a lot of people lined up to get the chicken. A lot of people there just to eat there. And then there were a lot of people there to protest. So what's happened now is they were located in a place called uh, Oracle Mall. They had a lease. They had a six-month lease on their location. And basically, they've just announced that they're, the, the Oracle Mall announced that they weren't going to be re- renewing their lease. So, you know, I, I tried to... I'm trying to be as objective as possible about this because I remember when this whole thing happened. I don't know if you guys really remember when the first, the initial, the initial outcry was against Chick-fil-A. I don't know how many years ago that, that was. Maybe, what, seven, eight years ago? Something like that. And I remember they were having these protests or these boycotts against Chick-fil-A. And then all the, the Christian groups got together and they... They called something, it was Chick-fil-A Day. 
And I remember going around Nashville. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And the lines to get in the Chick-fil-A were just ridiculously long. And so what, what I took away from that when this first happened was that, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but if, if you have someone who you think is spreading hate, let's just say you want to call it hate. And I, I don't know if I'll call it that, but just say you have someone that's spreading some kind of hate. Well, you do not, you do not win by fighting hate with hate. It doesn't work. And I said this in a Twitter or an Instagram post on that Chick-fil-A day. I posted a picture of the massive line around Chick-fil-A. And I just said, hey, you just don't fight hate with hate. It doesn't work. And there's a lot of reasons that this isn't going to work. We'll get into some some of the demographics here in a minute. So I don't know if you guys saw this viral tweet and then the subsequent uh, Reddit post also. This viral tweet. And what it was talking about was this new law in Uganda. It's not exactly a new law. This is a law that was, I believe, was being worked on about eight, nine, ten years ago, something like that. So there's a new law in Uganda, and yes, it, it does, it does in fact say that you can be punished with the death penalty for being gay in Uganda. Now that's obviously bad. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone talking about this in any shape or form would say that they agree with that law whatsoever. And I'll just come right out and say it. And I just don't care about gay marriage whatsoever. I just, I just don't to me. And by, by saying, I don't care what I mean is that's between you and your partner. And if it's religious, that's between you and your partner and the preacher and your religion. I don't think that the state should have any involvement in it whatsoever. So, yes, I think gay, gay people should be able to get married because I think people should be able to sign a contract with one another, a legally binding contract with one another, if they want to. And it's not any place, any kind of involvement that needs the government, the state, whatsoever. I think it's wrong for the state to be involved in that. So, I just, uh, first off, I don't. Ex- I, I really just don't get into all of the the politics and the talking about this because at the end of the day, I think a lot of guys, uh, a lot of you guys would agree, it's just not. It's not any place for the state to be involved in this whatsoever. Anyway, so this thing in Uganda comes up, and I'll, I'll read you the tweet. It says, "Today, Uganda announced a bill to legalize murdering gay people. National Christian Organization." paid a preacher to go to Uganda and help their lawmakers with the bill. Chick-fil-A funds National Christian Organization. Now, they abbreviated the organization to org. We'll talk about that in a minute. Chick-fil-A funds National Christian Org. If you eat at Chick-fil-A, this is what your money goes to. So, there's a couple sides to this that we can talk about. First off, in one way... I would say that this is this is true. Let's say that Chick-fil-A, let's say this is all completely true. And let's say that Chick-fil-A is funding an organization who went out to another country and helped them craft a law that would start uh, that would enact a death penalty for people who were gay. Now, as long as that is true, then I agree with not eating at Chick-fil-A because yes, some of their profits getting used to uh, 
enact legislation in other countries to kill innocent people? Yeah, that's, that's not a good thing. So we have to look into it and see if it's true, right? Because they made some pretty tricky abbreviations in this tweet. We can talk about that for a minute. So on, on the part of if they are actually hurting people, you know, that's a bad thing. But people believing what Chick-fil-A believes, which is, I guess, that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. I guess the, the biblical, religious uh, marriage between a man and a woman, that is, what they, that is what their religious beliefs are. And they do fund Christian groups that also have this as a state of belief. And that, all, that also have put money towards, say, Prop, Proposition 8 in California and uh, a lot of you know political campaigns trying to stop gay marriage. They have done that in the past. They have done that in the past. So the problem is, with this tweet, this tweet that went, that went viral, the person who tweeted it posted a couple articles as their backup for how they made this claim. Now, their articles were written, one in 2012 and one in 2014. The one in 2012 was pointing to donations that Chick-fil-A made in 2010, and the one that they posted from 2014 was pointing to donations that Chick-fil-A made in 2005. So already on its face, we do not have proof that this law that has just been enacted in Uganda and this death penalty for being gay that's just been enacted in Uganda, we don't have any proof right there saying that Chick-fil-A sent people to Uganda to help them write this law and that that was their intention, that's what they were doing, and that if you give money to Chick-fil-A, then this is what your money's going to. They didn't post any proof that that's the case. So I went into... I did some digging on this. Actually, I've been researching Chick-fil-A's donations and reading up on it since uh, about 10 o'clock this morning. It's 1.30. So I've been doing a lot of reading just on who they donate to and what those people do. And I found a website. Uh, it's called, I don't know if you guys have used it before, but I do recommend it. It's called truthorfiction.com. Now, this website is, from what I can tell, not closely affiliated to any political parties. They don't have any they they don't have any alliances with any political party because they have things on there on truth or fiction um saying that claims made about Elizabeth Warren are, are true. They have things on there disproving things that Trump has said. They have things on there that are disproving things that Hillary Clinton has said. From what I can tell, they go into each statement itself and they try to be as objective as possible and see if it's true. So what they came out with, what they came out with was that this was that this was a false statement, that it was misrepresented, it was taken out of context, and it also just the facts behind it just weren't true. So you can look at a few you can look at a few things. Now, in this tweet, it says that the National Christian Organization paid a teacher to go to Uganda and help their lawmakers with the bill. Chick-fil-A funds National Christian Org. That's very important, the way that they did that. There is a difference between the National Christian Organization, which is a group, and National Christian Organizations. Now, what you can find 
before this whole 2000, I think it was 2012, 2014 article and controversy, all the, all that stuff that went down, what you can find is that they've made several donations to national Christian organizations, but you cannot find that they specifically made donations to the national Christian organization. That's how tricky that is right there on its head. And then they say they paid a preacher to go to Uganda and help their lawmakers with the bill. Now, there was, in fact, a preacher that was funded by the National Christian Organization that did go to Uganda and speak there. But them saying that they helped their lawmakers with the bill is itself false, because then I looked up this actual story, this what actually happened, and the story of this actual preacher that they sent. This preacher himself... Before he went to Uganda, which first, just so you know, they had already crafted the bill before he went there. And the week before he went to Uganda to speak there, he said that he did not support their bill. He said that outright. Now, he did say something in his speech while he was in Uganda about their government being courageous. And it's whatever, it's battle against the evils of homosexuality or whatever. But he did say that he did not support that he did not support that bill, so that's important because already right there, they made the statement saying that they paid a preacher to go to Uganda and help their lawmakers with the bill. That is false. So already, we got plenty of plenty of false things here. Now there is one thing that I, you can find Chick Fil A donating to, which is called uh, let me see it is the Exodus. Uh, Exodus International. This was in 2009, and they were funding Exodus International. So I'll read you. Uh, I will read you. This is what I could actually find. Someone that they did fund and who did go to Uganda. In 2009, Exodus International board member Don, uh, well, we'll just call him Don, and Two other evangelical Christians traveled to Uganda to speak at a conference on, homosexu- on homosexuality, informing thousands of attendees that homosexuality was evil and could be cured. A month later, a Ugandan politician, with the help of the organizers of the conference, introduced what became known as the Kill the Gays Bill. If passed, the bill would have made homosexuality punishable by death. Okay. So, Chick-fil-A did fund this Exodus International, who did send one of their board members in 2009 to Uganda before this bill was actually brought out to the public. And they did, I guess, the, some of the organizers of the conference that this board member spoke at helped the Uganda government write the bill. So, all that's true. All that is true. Now, what they don't want to tell you is, little less than a year later, the president of Exodus International, Alan Chambers, expressed his regret for the organization's involvement and then spoke out against the proposed bill, the Kill the Gays bill, saying he did not agree with the bill in Uganda. This was the president of Exodus International, saying that he regretted any of their involvement and saying that that, they did not support that bill. Okay. And then, after that, that Exodus International, they disbanded in 2012. They don't exist anymore. And now after this, 
this whole at the kind of the end of all of this controversy, all this all the talk that you guys remember from way back. After all of that, there's no links to them donating to any of those controversial organizations since 2014. They do admittedly donate to the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay, so not I don't think that those are exactly, um, I wouldn't call them, I don't think the Fellowship for Christian Athletes is trying to get the death penalty for gay people passed, but I could be completely wrong on that. I will say that is pure, that is a, that is just a guess. That's just a guess. A guess. So, here's the problem. We have this tweet. It goes viral. You also have this thing going on in the UK where they have so many protesters that Chick-fil-A has decided that they are no longer going to be doing business there. And then you have people from the UK saying that they will do this anywhere that Chick-fil-A tries to open a store. That they will not, they're not going to be able to do any business on their soil. So, I understand people being upset with Chick-fil-A funding organizations that do speak out against gay marriage. I understand that. I support people being, I, I, I support them expressing their anger about that. If they want to protest, they can protest. That's okay. They can also choose to not do business with Chick-fil-A. That's one of the main things that they can do. But we have to actually look at what's came from this. This whole this whole thing, if you remember, this whole period of the last 10 years when all this has gone on with Chick-fil-A, what's been the actual outcome? The actual outcome is since this happened, this Chick-fil-A day, this day that people were going to boycott them, that actually turned into everyone was going to go there and support them, since then, their sales have almost tripled. And Chick-fil-A has become the third highest earning fast food restaurant in the U.S. The third highest earning behind McDonald's and Starbucks. And then it's Chick-fil-A. And keep in mind, they've been able to do that while only being open for six days of the week. While all of the other ones are open for seven. There's a decent argument to be made that if Chick-fil-A were open seven days a week... They could be the number two. They could take over Starbucks in the number two position for the highest earning fast food restaurant. So there's there's some reasons for why this has happened. Honestly, what I one of the main things is if you guys have ever gone to Chick Fil A, they've got good food, and actually, I think there's been one time I've ever been there when I had a bad experience with my food. And other than that, it's all been really good. And it's priced like the same price that you would pay for a value meal at McDonald's now. Only you can get something from Chick-fil-A. The other thing you'll notice is they're pretty timely. There's always a crazy line. If any of you, got, if any of you guys have a Chick-fil-A in your area, you know that around lunchtime and almost throughout the entire day, there is a crazy line wrapped around Chick-fil-A. I don't know how they do it. The, the one closest to me, ha- they've got two drive throughs and they're always full. And one of those reasons, yes, is because they have really good food. Another one, they've got really great service. The people who work there, the people who work there are very friendly. They are very appreciative of you being there. 
I've never dealt with a rude person that worked at Chick-fil-A. People want to reward that, I think, even if they're going to pay maybe a little bit more for chicken, something like that. People do want to reward places that give them better service. So that's another really good thing. And then on top of that, I do think a big portion of their sales increases came from this movement to boycott them. Because there's one thing that people know in marketing, and that's that, you know, in any press is good press, even if it's bad press. It gets your name out there. And this is what it's done for Chick-fil-A. I was looking at some numbers earlier. 62% of the United States identify as Christian, as their religion. Now, that's down from like 87% in the 80s. It's down to about 62% of the country identifying as Christian. Well, that's, that's good, but not all Christians are against gay marriage. You know, I think a lot of people my age, they kind of have the same beliefs, just let people do what they want to do. They're not hurting anyone. This is kind of a, an outdated belief, more than likely. So a lot of people, you know, 62% of the country say they're Christian, but it's not like all those people are against gay marriage. So in the most recent surveys, 40% of the population stated that they oppose gay marriage. 40%. About 23% said that they strongly oppose. Now this, I, you know, I, I'm not saying this is as like it's a good thing, because I don't, I don't agree with that stance. But it is, in fact, the stance of a lot of people. Millions of people. More people than I think we know about, because in public, I think a lot of people have kind of learned to keep their mouth shut on some of the really controversial issues that people won't agree with them on. At least people on that side of the aisle have, anyway. So they don't really go around, I don't think the whole group of people who are against gay marriage, they don't just go around talking to people about how they're against gay marriage. But then when you get this survey sent to your house or someone calls and they say, hey, and, and no one's going to know your response, well, then you actually end up selecting your true belief because you're not going to get any negative backlash for it. And so that's why I think you have these bigger numbers show up on the surveys of people who are against gay marriage. So what does this mean for Chick-fil-A? Well, what happened here is we have this big movement to boycott Chick-fil-A because of their stance on gay marriage, and then people decide, you, you, you draw a line, you divide people out between people who are against it and for it, I guess now on the, the case of what restaurant you eat at, because that definitely matters. So uh, you divide it out, and then the people who are against their stance definitely don't go there. Some of them still do. And then the people who really support them for being bold and, and saying what their stance is and being closed on Sundays and all of these things, well, when they're looking down the line of restaurants and you've got a Zaxby's or a KFC or a Popeye's or a McDonald's or an Arby's or a Chick-fil-A, I'm not saying that you're always going to go to the Chick-fil-A, but what you do have is you've always got that thing in the back of your mind that's saying you should support Chick-fil-A. You should support Chick-fil-A. And that's always one little one little argument in, in the back of your mind all the time. That's not why I go there. I go there because they've got good chicken. Their sandwiches are really good. Chick-fil-A sauce is amazing. 
I really like waffle fries. That's why I go there. But they've got that little added bump from people who maybe if they have no idea where they want to eat, their default position is, well, I might as well go support Chick-fil-A. So what this has landed on is their sales tripling. They make the most per restaurant out of all of the fast food restaurants. $4.4 million in the earnings per restaurant. That's $2 million higher than McDonald's per restaurant. They're doing really well since this whole thing happened. Okay? So, it's not... If I were someone who was against them and against their stance, which I guess I'm against their stance, but I guess if you wanted to make something of it, I don't think that spreading hate about them is really is really doing anything for your cause. You're helping them tremendously. All you can do is just just don't go there and then thank God that you live in a free country. I mean, it's a good thing that we live in a country where I don't think any of us think that there's a time in the future where we'll be voting on whether or not gay people should get the death penalty. I don't think that that is something we'll be voting on anytime soon. doesn't matter if Trump is president for the next hundred years. I don't think that that's going to happen. So be happy that you live in the United States. Decide to not go to Chick-fil-A. Go to KFC instead if you really want some chicken. And that's the most you can do. But the more that you tweet about them and the more that you post about them and share negative things, sure, you get the... 40% of the country who aren't Christian and the 50-60% of the country who support gay marriage, you get them. But you're energizing this base all the time. You're keeping this base worked up, this core group of people whose default position now is that they're going to, if they're going to go to a fast food place, they're going to go to Chick-fil-A. And these people have done nothing but help Chick-fil-A get bigger and bigger and make more and more money. So it's, it's not just clear to me that this, that this whole strategy is working. And let's just take a minute to be happy with the fact that, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of injustices, and I know that, obviously, I, I know that people who are homosexual have been treated very unfairly, especially I do believe that it was unfair to not allow gay marriage. Um, I do think that people have been treated unfairly. People have been criticized and, and picked on throughout a long time. There are obviously terrible things that have gone on. But let's kind of have a, a, a sense of proportion here and, and just look at the overall world. We still live in one of the best places to be if you're gay. We live in one of the best places to be if you're a woman. It goes for that argument, too. Look at people in Uganda. People are, I mean, if you're gay there, you're going to need to be getting out of that country. That's really sad. That's a really bad thing. Look at people in Saudi Arabia. We know that they have the same kind of laws there. I've been to, uh, I've been to Singapore before, and I was traveling with a gay person, and we had to look up and see what their laws were. And it is, in fact, illegal for uh, two men uh, to be to be homosexual, but the the law does not extend to women. So you know that you know that the, uh, a bunch of men wrote that law, I guess. 
But we did have to look that up. I mean, this still goes on in a lot of countries all over the place. But look how much further ahead the U.S. is from all those countries. If you're worried about people donating money to organizations that are doing these kinds of things, like what happened in Uganda, you're really, you're really only, your only defense against that is to have a country that protects individual liberties and protects the freedom of the markets that believes that we're all equal. Is to, be, to have your country like that, to have the smallest government possible, to not have laws that put people in cages that have never hurt anyone else in their, in their life. When you've got a system that is like that, which obviously we don't uh, fit that last one I just said, but when you have a system like that, then people donating to these organizations, I mean, there's nothing they can do. They're, they can't do anything like this Uganda law. It doesn't matter how much money Chick-fil-A donates to some national Christian organization in the U.S. here. They're not going to drum up a law that says that gay people should be put in prison for life or should get the death penalty. And that's just because of the way that our country recognizes and protects people's individual liberties. So that's what you need to be calling for. Not so much to stop the people, you know, you're trying to put band-aids on the issue and you're not ever getting down to what the core problem is. The core problem is not that Chick-fil-A donates money to people. The core problem is that they can donate money to people and then those people can go help get laws written or passed or whatever that completely disrespect and completely disregard people's right to individual liberty. And it's the country, it's the government not recognizing that individual liberty that is the core problem, not really Chick-fil-A, because there will always be, there will always be people that are trying to do bad things. And like I said, I don't think Chick-fil-A was giving money to people who were trying to get this law passed. I don't think Chick-fil-A's, I don't think that their goal whatsoever was to do anything involving this law in Uganda at all. I think that's been disproven for the people who actually want to take the time to read about it. So I'm not saying that that's their goal. But if it was their goal, there's always going to be people that are out there trying to do bad things. It doesn't matter what organizations you support or don't support. Your only fail-safe against that is to make sure that the governments do not have this kind of power, that they can't take that kind of liberty away from you. We make the same argument when it comes to corruption in Washington. People think that if you do these campaign finance reforms or you repeal the Citizens United, all of those things, that you're somehow going to fix corruption? That's a joke. What are, You actually think that that's going to stop corruption? There are always going to be people that are, as long as, as long as people in the government can control private industries, then those private industries are going to find some kind of way to control the government. It's always going to happen like that. The only thing you can do to stop corruption, to stop all the money and all of these all of this power and all of this money that's flowing into certain political candidates, the only thing you can do to stop that is to stop the government from having power over 
individual corporations and different industries. Because when they don't have the power to affect their bottom line, when they can't enact regulations that will cost them millions or billions of dollars, when they can't control who's going to get a license and who isn't going to get a license, who's going to be able to build somewhere and who isn't going to be able to build somewhere, when they're not controlling those things, then why would corporations be trying to control the government if the government has no power? Why would they be donating money to certain political candidates? That's the only way that you can actually stop it. It's not these little band-aid measures like campaign finance reform. These people are smart. If they want to hide some kind of money that's going to someone, they'll hide it. It doesn't matter what law you pass. It does not matter whatsoever. They'll donate it in the form of a hundred thousand different fake made-up people that they came up with, that they paid someone to create a bunch of false identities and make a lot of small donations to people. They'll do stuff like that. They'll start other companies and donate money through them all the time. All kinds of different shell corporations to donate money from. You're not going to stop them from doing this. Plus, who's going to be tasked with stopping them from doing this? Regulators? Who's going to keep the regulators from becoming corrupted? Are they not just people? They're just people. Just like anyone else. Just because someone took a job in government doesn't mean that they're automatically some virtuous, amazing person. They're just a human being who works in the government. So, if you're someone who's against what Chick-fil-A is doing, don't eat there, first off, if you really are worried about where their money's going. And second off, try to start some movements to get these human rights violations controlled in these other countries. To get human beings their right to self-ownership, which is what libertarians care about. I own myself. Therefore, a lot of things that we do that take away my ownership of myself, well, those things are not moral. Start fighting for that in those countries. That's the only way that you can actually fix it. And this whole thing with you gave money to Chick-fil-A, so therefore you are causing gay people to die. I mean, if you have a liberal saying that, if you come across a liberal that says that, just ask them one thing. Do you think we should pay taxes? Have you paid taxes? Are you against you paying taxes at all? And they're like, oh, no, we should pay taxes. Yeah, I pay taxes happily. Of course. I should be paying more taxes. Well, some of your tax money has been used to kill about a million civilians in the Middle East. Over a million. Therefore, you gave money freely because you wanted to do it. You don't think that you shouldn't have to do it. You gave money to kill innocent civilians around the world. There you go. Probably a lot more than Uganda is going to be killing by the way. So there's always ways to shut down those arguments. So there's another news item here. This is Trump on executive orders. So I, I saw this, this headline come across. I'm always going through my Apple News app, trying to uh, scour, scour the news for good things to talk about. And I saw this headline that says, Trump outstripping Obama on pace of executive orders. Okay, so right now, Trump 
is by far on pace to issue a lot more executive orders than President Obama. This is something that, by the way, all presidents have always done, even going, I was looking through the history of executive orders earlier today before I decided to talk about this. Even George Washington issued tons of executive orders. But it is has definitely been going up. Now, the biggest spike ever that happened was from FDR. Then it went way down after that, and then it started spiking up again in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and up to today. So Trump is on pace to have more executive orders than Obama. Now, they're calling him out on this, saying that uh, Trump was very much against President Obama writing executive orders. They've got quotes from Trump, a lot of tweets from Trump where he was talking negatively about Obama writing orders. Here's a, here's a tweet from Trump. Why is Barack Obama constantly issuing executive orders that are a major power grab of authority? Let's see, another quote. This country wasn't based on executive orders, Trump said at the South Carolina campaign stop. Right now, Obama goes around signing executive orders. He can't even get along with the Democrats, and he goes around signing all of these executive orders. It's a basic disaster. You can't do it. A lot of quotes in here from Trump. You guys get the idea. He was very much against Obama writing executive orders. And yes, looking through the numbers, he has he is definitely on pace to write uh, many, many more than Obama did. So I wanted to look at I wanted to look at some of the things that he's been writing orders on. Now there's one thing when it comes to writing these orders that people need to realize. So, you know, these presidents write executive orders. And then a new president comes in. Any kind of regulations, anything that's came from the executive branch, they can't simply just be uh, deleted. They have to be. They you have to write a new order or a new regulation, decreeing the end of a past regulation. So that's important to realize. Now I'm not saying that that is a all-out defense of all of the executive orders that Trump has written or all of the regulations that have came from all of the executive agencies. That's not what I'm saying. But it is important to realize that you cannot get rid of the old regulations and orders simply by throwing them away or deleting them off or saying that they don't exist. You have to write a new one that says that that one doesn't apply anymore. So one of the executive orders that he wrote was that was that for every new regulation two regulations had to be revoked. Now, this was a tricky process because, like I said, for every new regulation, two have to go away. But for those two to go away, there has to be a regulation written to remove them. So it's been a very tricky process. But I did look and see how successful he's... Uh, I did want to look and see how successful he's been at that. Now, the the actual Trump White House has said that they've they've basically gotten rid of 22 regulations for every new regulation. All the numbers I can find on that, um, all the numbers I can find on that seem like it's more like 16, 16 for every new regulation. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing. Now, the executive orders, on the other hand, a lot of them are for things like, say, he had the right new executive orders uh, dismantling a few parts of Obamacare. There had to be a an, ex- an executive order written stating that you were no longer going to have to pay a penalty if you didn't have insurance. That's, that's an executive order. He had the right in the executive order that said that you would have to remove two regulations for every one regulation. So there can be a lot of executive orders 
that are dismantling parts of the government. So they're not always terrible. They're not always terrible. But I think we can all agree that we've given a, a lot of power to the president that the president is not supposed to have. It's just been uh, it's just been an assumption now that the president can do anything that they want. It doesn't matter if Congress passes a law. The last major law that Congress passed was the tax cut. That's been about it since Trump got in the office. Now they've been preoccupied with a lot of um, I think a lot of things that were are meant to preoccupy their time so they don't have a lot of time to legislate. Things like the impe- the impeachment, you get the Kavanaugh stuff, you get the Russia inquiry. All these things that are taking up all this time by Congress and they don't really have a lot of time to write laws, which hey, I think the least amount of work they do probably the best for everyone. But it doesn't mean that the president should just be able to write executive orders all the time. This is the problem. There's a little bit of hypocrisy that goes along with this. Because every time that Trump writes an executive order, and everyone who's on the right, who's a Republican, conservative, even people, libertarians like me, anyone who like who was like, yeah, well, okay, well, that was a good one. I agree with that one. Yeah, that was a good one. I agree with that one. That sets a bad precedent. That's That's an unprincipled stance. Because you're not saying that the executive orders that you agree with are okay. That's a really dangerous stance. That's the stance that most people have, by the way. Well, the executive orders that I agree with, those are okay. That's a dangerous stance. Because what happens if Elizabeth Warren is the next president? And and then she's writing a bunch of executive orders because she doesn't have the whole power of Congress. And then all the Republicans are out there saying... The president's writing too many executive orders. We have to give the power to the people and the legis- legislature and the, the White House has got too much power and all this. We don't have any principled leg to stand on anymore because you were completely fine with it while Trump was doing it. All I'm saying is that be careful of things like that because it's this vicious, vicious cycle that we get in where you're okay when your guy's in office. And I'm not saying that some of the executive orders that he's written are... I don't, I'm not saying they're all bad. Some of them have been really good. But it's, it sets a dangerous cycle in motion where it's okay while your guy's in office and then the next person's in office and it's okay while their person's in office. And then we never really have any ground to argue on when we say the executive branch has too much power. How is a Republican or is a conservative when there's a Democrat president sometime in the future, are you going to be able to go and say, The president shouldn't have the power to do that. They shouldn't be writing all these executive orders. Obama said that he had a pen and a phone, and that's just disgusting, and it's against the Constitution and all this. You were just completely fine with it while the guy that you liked was in power. That's the problem people never understand. You're never giving power to Donald Trump in this instance. You're not giving power to Donald Trump. You're giving power to the president of the United States. And that president of the United States will keep and maintain that power regardless of who's holding that office. That's the situation we've gotten ourselves into. That's why the government keeps getting bigger and bigger and the executive branch keeps taking more and more power. Because more and more people decide that it's okay that the guy that they like is out there doing it. And so they're, they're all right with it. That's fine. So all I'm saying is be mindful of that. Just 
be mindful of that because someday, again, you're going to be on the negative receiving end of these executive orders. And you're going to be against executive orders all of a sudden, again. And that's just not a good, that's just, that's not principled. It's not principled. So going along with these executive orders, some of them have been for deregulation, obviously. (laughs) I like those. Those are good executive orders. Now, it's not not necessarily, doesn't mean that uh, he should be writing them. One thing that does make this complicated is that if it's an executive order or a regulation that came from the executive branch that took some kind of power in the market and in, in all of our industries that made some kind of regulations that are costing people money and costing jobs, well, I guess it would be on the president to get rid of that regulation or get rid of that previous executive order. Who else is going to come in and get rid of it? So if you are writing an executive order or approving a regulation that is removing old regulations, and maybe that is a good regulation. Maybe that is okay. Maybe that is a good executive order to issue an order that you're only going to approve a regulation if that regulation deletes two previous regulations. Maybe that's a good executive order, you know? So this thing, uh, this happened this weekend. I saw a video from Trump. A reporter asked him, now this was a reporter from France asked him when he was touring the Louis Vuitton factory that was opening in Texas. He went there to, you know, walk around, shake hands and and take credit for the factory being there, which is fine. And uh, there was a reporter, a French reporter that asked him a, a, a pretty good question. A lot of opportunity behind this question. Some really good opportunity. I'm going to play that for you real quick. No, I think it was terrible. I think it was a terrible thing. You have very low unemployment rate in the U.S., and we have a very high unemployment rate in France. How come? What's the recipe for? Well, maybe we have a better president than you do. <laughs> Mr. President, are you any closer to spending Okay, so if you didn't hear it, not great audio there. This French reporter asked him, she says, they have a very high unemployment rate in France. I was looking up their numbers. She's correct. They have a very high unemployment rate in France. And she asked them, you have a, a very low unemployment rate in the U.S. Is there some kind of recipe that you could give us for that or for why, for why this is the case? That's an amazing, amazing opportunity. You've got, an, you've got a reporter asking you, hey, I live in a socialist country that has a very high unemployment rate. You're a businessman who has got an a unemployment rate of 3.5%. Can you give me some kind of a, a recipe that we should use in France to have an, a, a low unemployment rate like you do in the U.S.? That's an amazing, amazing opportunity there to talk about the beauty of the free market and how he did sign an executive order that says that you have to remove regulations for everyone. They also said in the executive order that any regulation has to have a zero effect on the on the industry as a whole. It cannot add a cost into the industry. It has to have a zero or lower cost for that industry. That's an amazing regulation. That's an amazing executive order. He had an amazing opportunity to talk about the beauty of the free market and how we're a free market country 
and we're reducing regulations and we're reducing business taxes and we don't have all the restrictions and work requirements work requirements like you have in France and and that's why we have less than half the unemployment rate than what France has. And what does he say? Maybe we just have a better president than you do. Now I get it. That's funny. That's a funny response. That's a I mean, yeah, good response. That is funny. It got a laugh. This is why a lot of people who support Trump like Trump, by the way. So I'm not saying, you know, he the way that Trump is, that's what got him elected. If he was just some, you know, vanilla politician that was just out there talking economics and stuff like that, maybe he would have never been elected. So I'm sure he realizes that the way that he is is why he has the support that he has. And that his supporters like hearing him say stuff like that. But I'm just saying, when you've got a reporter from France, a very socialist country asking you what the recipe is to have a, a lower unemployment rate. Man, you've got you've got some time there to talk about this. So I, I went into some of France's numbers just so you know some of the details on this. Their unemployment rate is we'll just say, so the US unemployment rate right now is about 3.5%, like 3.3, 3.5%. Now I realize the unemployment rate statistics are pretty bogus. Obviously, after you've been out of the workforce for a certain amount of years, you're no longer counted as unemployed, which makes no sense. So sometimes when the unemployment rate goes down, it can mean it can mean that people have given up looking for a job, which is the case that people made while Obama was in office and the unemployment rate was going down. I heard Sean Hannity yelling all the time about how it wasn't because of more jobs. It was because people were giving up looking for jobs. So that same scrutiny should be applied to this current unemployment rate, is all I'm saying. So the U.S. unemployment rate is 3.5%. The unemployment rate in France is 8%. And then our youth unemployment rate, which is typically the highest unemployment rate, our youth unemployment rate is 8%. That's what France's unemployment rate is overall, by the way. Our youth unemployment rate is 8%. And their youth unemployment rate is 20%. So they've got some pretty bad numbers as far as this goes. And then you have a reporter asking what the recipe is to fix this. France's GDP growth, another another number I looked up earlier, plus 0.3%. 0.3. That's their growth rate. The U.S. is right around 3. That's good. For, I mean, compare the France. That's, I mean, that's a 10 times more than theirs. So that's, that, that's not a bad thing. And another thing to know about France's unemployment rate, I thought this was really interesting. So uh, a few years ago, they signed in the law uh, the 35-hour work week. And you can't, you can't work more than 35 hours a week. And this is obviously to help people who are having to work too much. Well, at the time that they signed that, their unemployment rate was 11%. And then they signed that you couldn't work more than a certain amount of hours. So what did businesses have to do? They had to go get more people to fill the hours that they needed filled. And so then the unemployment rate drops very quickly from 11% to 8%. And that's why it dropped, is because they signed a lower work week. That's the reason. So you also have their poverty rate, their rate of poverty in France is 14.5% of the population. And the U.S. 
is 12.3% of the population. So we're doing better than them in like all facets of economic standards. Not to mention their poverty rate, which is at 14.5%. Remember, theirs is 14.5. Ours is 12.3. They only count people who are making less than the equivalent of $14,500 in their poverty rate. And they still have 14.5% of the population making less than that. We count anyone who's making less than $22,000. And we still have 12.3% of the population only doing that. If we were to measure it by their standards, our unemployment, our poverty rate would be something more like 8 or 9% versus theirs, 14.5. So we're doing better than them as far as economics goes. So what I would really, what I would really ask President Trump, if you're listening, which I'm, I'm sure you are, I'm sure you're listening, please use the microphone and the position that you have, and the Twitter account that you have, and the speeches in front of tens of thousands of people that you have to talk about how amazing the free market is, to talk about how if you reduce regulations on businesses, that more businesses will pop up, and the more businesses we have, the more people they're going to need to work. And then the more business growth that you have, the more they're going to have to offer people for that work. Because they're competing with one another. Please talk about how when you reduce your corporate tax rate down, that there's a better chance that more businesses are going to survive and that they're going to have more money to invest in the productivity of their businesses. And that that's better for everyone. That's what's created this amazing standard of living that we have, especially compared to 100 or more years ago. It's been allowing people to create value for other people freely that got us all here and that we are trying to do anything that we can to make that easier for people who have businesses. Just try and say that sometime, please. All right, guys, follow us on Instagram. We really appreciate everyone going and following us and find us on Facebook. Uh, you guys are doing more than you know it's it's crazy we are looking at the numbers this morning our reach hit 1.1 million people this morning that's great i mean up from like nothing a year ago to now in the last month we've been able to hit 1.1 million people that's amazing that's only because you guys are sharing our articles and our podcast and all of our memes and all of those things on facebook and and twitter and instagram and all that you guys are doing a great job doing that we cannot thank you enough so follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty, Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. Go to GoodMorningLiberty.us if you want to read some great articles on politics and economics. And winter is coming up. Get yourself a nice taxation is theft hoodie on our merch store. Go to GMLConnect.com. That's GMLConnect.com and use the promo code podcast. And you'll get 20% off your very own Good Morning Liberty Taxation is Theft hoodie. Any money that we make from those things just goes right back into advertisements, pushing the podcast so we can get this message out to more people. And maybe we can save the world before it turns into a socialist hellhole. Thank you, guys. If you do all of those things, I'll be right back here again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.